When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Luna the Podcast. My name is Carolina Salazar, also known as the Carolina Lifestyle on TikTok and Instagram. My goal with this podcast is to demystify modern spirituality, talk about all things holistic health and wellness, and to also empower you to show up as your best and highest self. Thank you so much for being here. I look forward to seeing you in the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Luna, the podcast. Back with a new intro, new energy. I felt like revamping the intro and I'm all for it. So hope you are too. Hope you're having a lovely day. And today we're back with another guest episode. It's been a while. So this is the first guest episode of 2022, which I am so excited for. I have a lot of very amazing, fun guest episodes coming. So be on the lookout for that. And on the week that this episode is going live, it's actually my birthday week. So I'm going to be releasing two episodes this week, this guest episode today. And I'll also be releasing another episode on Thursday, which is on my birthday, sharing my biggest learning lessons in this last year of my life. So also keep an eye out for that. But that's everything I got to say on this intro. So I'm going to keep it short and sweet so I can dive right into this amazing guest episode. I hope you guys enjoy. As I've mentioned before, if you've been enjoying Luna, I would appreciate if you could take a minute of your day, even as you're listening to this, to go and either leave five stars at the top of Spotify when you click on the name of the podcast, or if you are also feeling inclined to go to Apple Podcast and leave a text review there, that would be so phenomenal and so appreciated. So yeah, hope you have a lovely time listening to this awesome conversation that I had with one of my best, best friends. And with that being said, let's dive right in. I am here with one of my best friends, Sloan Elizabeth. She's not only one of my best, best friends, she's also a food freedom and intuitive eating coach. She's leading a movement to help women stopping at war with food and to start eating with love and with intuition. Sloan is a light. She's one of the most determined people I know, and she's such an inspiration to many. I'm beyond blessed to have her here today with me to chat all things food freedom, intuitive living, and how spirituality and manifestation can apply to our health, as well as our body image healing and our self-love journey. Welcome to the pod, Sloan. I'm so happy you're here. Thank you. I'm so happy that I'm here. I feel like this is just going to feel like one of our conversations when we're hanging out that everybody gets to listen to, which is amazing. Exactly. So we love to see it. And to start out, I would love for you to share what your sun, moon, and rising is. I asked that to all my guests. My pleasure. Okay. So I'm a Taurus sun. Our birthdays are right around the corner, very close to each other. And I'm a Libra rising and Capricorn moon. Yes. So Sloan and I are actually one week apart birthday-wise, but our risings and our moons are exactly opposite. So 
well, she has a Capricorn moon. I have a Cancer moon and that's opposite signs. And then Libra rising and Aries rising also opposite. So we really like mirror each other, what we both need and miss in our own charts, which is really, really cool. And so, yeah, love to see it. My fellow Taurus friend (laughs) and let's get started. I really want to dive in today with talking about food freedom and just eating with love and intuition, which is something you talk a lot about on your page. So I think a lot of listeners and a lot of the people who tune into my page, which is mostly girls, like 97%, -hmm. like a lot of girls, most of us have struggled in some shape or form with food or our bodies or just like body image in general. So let's start out with just what is food freedom to you? What does that mean? And yeah, what's your overall definition of that? Yeah, I love that question because I think it's not necessarily like inherent knowledge, like what is food freedom? It can be kind of confusing, but I really believe that we're born with food freedom. Like it's natural. And so the way that I define it is like having the freedom, so no rules, no restrictions, no diets to really eat what you want, when you want in order to honor your physical body, your mental body, and your spiritual, emotional body. So yes, it's about eating what you want, when you want, but like not blindly. I think that's where people get confused. They get kind of scared. Like, wait, I can just eat whatever I want, whenever I want. Well, then I'm going to eat ice cream for breakfast because that's what I want. So I'm just going to do it. But like, would eating ice cream for breakfast every morning actually be aligned in the most loving choice for your physical body? Probably not. So like that's not exactly what I'm talking about. And there's a lot of nuances here, which I'm pretty passionate about because I think it's amazing that the intuitive eating space is growing so much. However, there's some issues that need to be discussed and that's one of them. Um, So yeah, that's my definition. Yeah, for sure. I think Food freedom has been something I've worked on a lot. And I think what you were mentioning, even in the beginning about the rules, right? For the longest time, I used to just tell myself, like, I can't eat dairy. I can't eat gluten. I can't eat carbs. Like when my eating disorder, but way back when started, it was like restricting carbs and sugar and dessert. And no one was putting those rules on myself except me. Like it was all self-imposed. So think a lot and I I understand a lot of people have dietary restrictions to dairy and gluten I was never really diagnosed with that so it was mostly just me telling myself like oh they're bad or whatever so it has been really freeing for me to allow myself to experience a sourdough bread if I want to or like stuff like that that I crave and I want but no one ever told me to stop eating it so And gluten and dairy, it's so interesting because that's so common. And for me, like I am sensitive to it, more dairy than gluten, Mm -hmm. but there's so much diet culture stuff there also. Actually, with one of my clients recently, she was in a similar boat as you telling herself that she couldn't have gluten because it was, quote, inflammatory. And like there's something to that, but – it doesn't have to be totally off limits. Same with dairy. And so I encouraged her to try sourdough because it is fermented. So it's easier to digest, especially if your body isn't used to gluten. Then like the first time you have it again, even if you're not intolerant or sensitive, might be a little bit difficult. 
So she bought sourdough bread. She's been having avocado toast, loves it. Her stomach feels perfectly fine. And then she said in the past she was doing Greek yogurt, but stopped that. So I had her do a full fat Greek yogurt. Felt amazing, loved it, and like her stomach was fine. So for her, it was completely just like BS fear getting in the way. And so that's why I love combining the science with the spirituality and the intuition because like scientifically, I could help her realize why it wasn't scary to eat bread or why it wasn't scary to eat dairy. And then on that more emotional, intuitive level, we tapped into her like soul level intuition. Okay, like what is – I'll call her – Lily, um, what does Lily's body actually want? And like, what is her truth? And the truth was that she wanted more freedom and like she was going to be fine eating those things. Yes, totally. And speaking of that, can you, let's dive into a little bit about intuition itself. Like there's, as we've talked about before in like our own conversations and what I see you posting a lot about is that People misunderstand what your intuition really means when it comes to food and like what intuitive eating really is. So I really want to hear your take on that. And I want you to share with listeners what that really should mean to them. Totally. So that's why I created my own method, Eating with Love and Intuition, because I just didn't feel comfortable like putting myself into that category of quote, intuitive eating, because there are two dietitians who are amazing who created the intuitive eating movement. But my issue with that is that it feels like a label. Like like it feels like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm an intuitive eater. What happens if I eat too much and like ignore my hunger cues? Did I fail at intuitive eating or like am I no longer an intuitive eater and there are 10 steps and like the 10 steps make sense, but like it's just so, it just so did not align with me and it just doesn't it's not enough. And so with that with those 10 steps and that definition a lot of intuitive eating practitioners say that your intuition is what you're craving. And it's one of my favorite myths to bust because <laughs> as you know your intuition is like so fucking powerful and it's this internal deep knowing that's connected to your soul. It's connected to your spirit. It's connected to the universe, the divine, your higher self. It's also connected to your body for sure. So saying that intuitive eating is just like eating what you're craving, listening to your cravings is so – it's just not enough. It's cutting yourself so short. So for me, eating with love and intuition, the reason it's called that is because the main verb is eating and like you can't fail at eating. And so whenever my clients come into my program, the first thing I tell them is like, from here on out, you can't fail because you can't really fail at eating. Sure, maybe sometimes in the beginning, you're not really going to be totally on point with like the love and intuition part, but you're not failing. So for Mm -hmm. me, that means making food choices that are loving for the physical body, the mental body, and the spiritual, emotional body. All three of those, we want those to feel nourished and you're making loving choices and decisions and your intuition from that divine soul level is helping you make those decisions. So that's what eating with love and intuition means. Amazing. Yeah, I think it's interesting because our cravings, at least the way I think about it, it's more physical. And what I learned in my coaching program that I finished last year is that like our cravings a lot of the times are – tied maybe to our childhood. Like maybe it's something we ate growing up 
or maybe it's just like a filler for when we're stressed or like Mm -hmm. diving into your cravings. Like why am I craving X, Y, and Z is way more important like than actually just eating whatever you're craving. It's much healthier and deeper for you to understand maybe why you're having that craving, but eating with intuition, I think is more like being attuned to all the different parts of your body and soul and that like hunch that you might get deep down of what you need in that moment. Totally. And I was just discussing this with someone else who asked me like, what do you do if you really just have this super strong craving? You're like, I need a burger right now. And while there are definitely times where I'm really in the mood for something, because I healed my relationship with food, and I don't know if you feel the same, like I don't have those crazy intense, I need this right now sort of cravings. Mm-hmm. Like everything is so much more under control. And I didn't really realize this until she asked that question. I'm like, wait, I can't really relate to that anymore. Like that just doesn't happen because when you have that super intense ravenous craving, you're coming from a lack perspective where there's been restriction probably of that food in the past. So you're like, I need it now or else it's going to be taken away or it's not going to be available. Whereas the abundance mindset tells us like, okay, I'm in the mood for that. But if I don't have it right now, that's okay too. And like nothing bad will happen and it will be available for me later too. Or tomorrow or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's, exactly it. What I, what came to mind when you were sharing that for me is just like, whenever you're restricting something or when you don't allow yourself to have it, that's when you feel like it's intense and it's overpowering because you're swinging from extremes. Either Mm -hmm. I don't have it at all, or like I need it, or I need to have a lot of it now because I can't have it again. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But when, even with, for example, the example of dessert, if you want to have a dessert today, like you can have it tomorrow too. But if you know you can probably have it tomorrow and the day after, then you're not going to probably overindulge today because you know you can indulge a little bit again tomorrow. You can have that thing whenever you want or whenever your body needs it or whenever you just like want to feel happy and joyful from that food. So it really is tapping into that abundance mindset, as you were saying. Totally. And that's why I love bringing in all of these like teachings from manifestation and law of attraction, because while, you know, you and I love talking about manifestation and we have our manifestation journal, um, which oh, yeah. helps you like go through the actual kind of more conventional steps of manifesting. Like you can totally do that with healing your relationship with food in mind. Like I can teach you how to do that. And I do teach my clients how to do that, but it's less about that, like manifesting this goal of food freedom and more about using principles from the law of attraction and energy healing and intuitive activation and like applying that to this. And the abundance mindset coming from lack and scarcity is one of the main ways that I do that. Yes, 100%. And speaking of that, I would love to also tie that into this conversation. So before we kind of integrate eating and spirituality, could you share a bit about your own relationship with spirituality? This is a spirituality focused podcast, but it's also like a holistic health and wellness podcast. So I would love to hear about when you first came into contact with spirituality and how it's evolved from that point. Yeah. I forget if I've told you this, I probably have, but I like first 
kind of made the connection when I read Gabby Bernstein's book, The Universe Has Your Back. Like, it just made so much sense because that was not my first introduction to spirituality. Like, I grew up Jewish and I still feel definitely connected to Judaism, like, culturally. But because I, my grandparents, two of my grandparents passed away when I was really young. And so I, my mom always said, like, you have angels and like, look at the stars and like, that's them. And we had like two dragonflies that would always like visit our backyard. And it's like, oh, like that's them. And it was just so natural because of that, like unfortunate tragedy. And so my mom really integrated that into my life growing up. And then I have always been like growing up, I was just obsessed with like the idea of spirits and ghosts. Like it scared me, but the show, The Long Island Medium, which was on TLC, I watched every single episode of that show. Like I just, I was like so drawn to this idea of like mediums and I've actually never been to a medium, which maybe I should because it still kind of like scares me, but I've just always known that there's like something else. Like we have souls, we have spirits, like after the body dies, like I really believe that the energy is still there, the spirit's still there. So like it's just always been a prevalent thing in my life, but It wasn't until I could put like a definition to it and I allowed myself to learn more about it that it clicked. And so that book I feel like was really like – it's cheesy, but it was like a pivotal point in my life and that was what helped me really understand what your intuition is, develop my relationship with the universe, start seeing and communicating with like signs and synchronicities. Um, It also really helped me with like all my control issues, which was totally a root of the food issues also. So that is what helped me realize that the food issues weren't about food and that spirituality had to 100% must be a part of this conversation of like healing. So yeah, that was kind of like the before, the during, and now the after is like, I feel like it's a part of my daily life, like this just constant communication with like my higher self and the universe and receiving those signs and synchronicities and just having that like open flow of conversation. Like it really is co-creation. And I know that's what we talk about a lot of manifesting, like co-creating your dream reality. It's like, it's you and the universe. And I, I really feel like that's happening like every single day for me. Yeah. Amazing. And when was it that you read the book? That was my sophomore year of college. So like however long ago, five years ago. Gotcha. Yeah. I feel like everyone kind of has that book that kickstarts their spiritual awakening. For a lot of people, it's The Secret. For me, like I watched the movie The Secret, but I only Mm fully had my awakening when I read The Power of Now. And so I really think it just like varies, but everyone has that one book that just kind of opens their eyes. And then you start playing around with what manifestation is and how to manifest. And then it just kind of becomes a part of your routine. And what was one of the main, I know you mentioned a few different things that you learned from the book, but what was one of the main teachings that you can dive in a little bit deeper into? Yeah. So into you. Right. So I would say like the title of the book is The Universe Has Your Back. And that is something that I come back to every single day. And like that's what I remember the most from the book is like the universe 
wants you to succeed. The universe, nature, the world is naturally abundant. And like, if you allow it and you work with it and you co-create and you are doing your part of like embodying your best self, being your truest self, then you will get the rewards and like you will tap into and experience the abundance and it helps me so much when I feel like things aren't going my way or like doors are closing or there's no's like for whatever reason that still means that the universe has my back and it was supposed to be a no even if it's the most frustrating thing ever like I just have this total full trust that the universe has my back and like that's it so I don't have to worry obviously it's like not as simple as that but it kind of can be um and yeah that also helped me like surrender a lot because as I said the control was something that was coming into food it was coming into like travel and social plans and like school and work, like control everything. And so when I realized like it wasn't just me, it's not just me, it's the universe also, like we're a team and the universe has my back. I don't have to do everything myself. That made it a lot safer to feel like I could surrender and I could let go. I wasn't just like letting it go into the void. I was letting it go to the universe. Yeah, a hundred percent. I think that's so key because those rejections and those like tough moments where you're just kind of, ah, why, why me? Like, it's so easy to fall into that victim mindset and think that nothing's going your way and like you're doomed or, you know, there's this higher force that's against you, but deep down everything is for your highest alignment and like whatever is falling out of your life is because it's not meant for you anymore or was never meant for you. And there is something even more aligned that is. And so with that being said, what does your higher self mean to you? And what is the highest self of Sloan? Oh my goodness. Okay. So uh, I have a meditation for all of my clients in the Food Room Collective that it's like the first meditation they do that introduces them to their higher self. And like that's visual is what I use also. And so my higher self to me, it's like the version of me that truly has no fear because there's there's no like human ego like it's the very divine goddess animal side of me like i feel like when we're connecting to the universe and the natural abundance i like to think of the animal side and the divine side and then the human side is kind of in the middle and that's where fear can come in even though being a human is awesome but i'm like the animal side that's like the nature it's primal. It's so easy. And then the divine is like the magic, the flow, the abundance, all that jazz. So I would say my higher self is like those pieces. It's a combination of that. And it's the version of myself that's the most high vibe and pure glow and magic. And it's also like part of my inner child who's like so bubbly and obsessed with like glitter. Like I would freak out in like a good way over like the smallest things when I was little. And I still feel like I, I do that still, but that's something that I'm kind of – I always think about doing more is like really appreciating all of the small things that totally just like light my heart up. And so, yeah, that's how I tap into my higher self. Also, like if I had no fear, if I was just like pure magic, if I was, I mean, I am like a goddess <laughs> and like glowing yeah. from the inside out and just like pure magical light, what would the answer be? Or like 
like what would she choose and like we're still human we're still going to have fears and experience sadness and tragedy and like that's important and i don't think that needs to be avoided like this isn't about toxic positivity but it's just about knowing that that really like pure magical part of us is within and like it's there and she exists exactly and we've talked about this a lot which is kind of like well how would you live your life if if fear wasn't a thing Mm -hmm. like how would you live your life if you didn't think about what could go wrong or if you didn't put all these limiting beliefs in front of you that limit your path and your growth and I really think also like we're chatting about in the beginning it does kind of come down to tuning into your intuition and tuning into what that soul part of you is telling you you need and you should do and you should go towards and your dreams and you know the things that excite you like you were saying speaking of your story and of your higher self and where you are now I think we should also backtrack a bit because I do have some younger members in my audience and I think would be really powerful for us to also open up about our experiences with food and our own healing paths of that yeah so I would love to hear a little bit about your story and I know it's been many years since it like you first experienced you know restriction or just like challenges with food so I'd love for you to share that and really show the audience how far you've come because I think it's really powerful to like start back and then kind of tell the story present. Totally. So I grew up in Los Angeles. And (laughs) so there's a lot of like, you know, the media and the beauty trends and like the first I remember in high school, my friends would like bring juice cleanses for lunch. Oh, like when, yeah. When like smoothies and juice were like first becoming a thing. And I was like, wait, you're only drinking juice? Like, where's your food? It was like mind boggling. Um, and I grew up in the performing arts. And with all that, like I had a totally normal, great relationship with food um, against kind of all odds, like growing up in that sort of environment um, and like going to a very like preppy school, like a lot of competition and like doing cheerleading and dance. Like, but I was, I was always confident and like at home, we always had snacks. Like we would have friends who would come over, my brother and I, and like they would immediately go to the snack cabin and be like, oh my God, my mom doesn't have goldfish or my mom doesn't let us have these. And like they would binge, but my brother and I were like, this is so normal, like it's fine. Um, and for me, it definitely started from body image because I kind of went through puberty like late. And so it's funny, like when I got my period for a, two years after that, like I, my body still was so prepubescent, like looked when did like you get your period 14. Okay. So that's like going into eighth grade. It was ninth grade. It was the second day of ninth grade, actually. Okay, same, actually. I got mine, like, right before ninth grade. Okay, yes. And so, like, ninth grade, tenth grade, like, I, I – my body could not have carried a baby, you know, like, didn't have hips, didn't have boobs, and whatever. I just thought that's how I was going to be forever. So then more so when I was, like, 17, my body started changing, and I was, like – 
you know, like that's not what you learn about puberty. So I was like, well, something is wrong. Like I'm doing something wrong because why, why would this be happening? Like this makes no sense. And so I had gained some weight, not a lot, but like some, which my body needed it, but I totally freaked out and I, I didn't know what I wanted to like do career wise, but I was always very into like science and math and stuff. So I tried to do it scientifically. Like I tried to approach it as a scientist, like what can I change? But then that took me into like diet fads. And so I remember so awful, like drinking green tea because of like antioxidants and like green tea quote, major quote, like this is not actually information that you should take to heart, but like speeds up your metabolism. Okay. And so I would like drink two cups of green tea a day, not for the caffeine, but for my metabolism, which is like just false. Like it's just, it's not going to make that big of a difference. Okay. Um, and I would ask my mom to, to, my mom would pack my lunch every day. I asked her to make my sandwich on rice cakes instead of bread. Like all of these really small, but very specific and controlling like food rules. I also had a baking business because I was very entrepreneurial and like loved baking and I loved dessert. But then I started feeling like, wait, maybe that's the issue. Like I'm eating too many cookies. And so it was all these food rules. But I also knew that that was like not sustainable. And I knew that it wasn't right. I knew it wasn't the way to live. And I was like, make myself go on runs. And like, I fucking hate running. And it was just bad. It was not enjoyable at all. I felt like I was fighting against my body. And then when I went to school for college, I was like, all right, can't do this anymore. Need to heal, need to change. This is not going to work if I want to have an amazing experience. And so I, you know, I knew I needed to get support and like actually invest in healing my relationship with food, like invest the time and energy into it. And it did start with like the science side of it, really understanding the truth about nutrition and biology and psychology and neuroscience. But like it wasn't until I read that book and started healing my issues with control and perfectionism and trust that it really clicked. And then that's when the wheel started turning. I don't even think I probably put a definition to it until I started health coaching and realized that so many people needed help with this and that it wasn't just going to be like plain old intuitive eating. And I realized like why it worked so well for me and like what the key was. And that's when I kind of like put the bones to it, put the structure on it and it became what it is today. So that is my long short story. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I think it's really interesting because something I wrote here on my uh, notebook as you were speaking, it, it's a kind of this like circular diagram where it's like your body, ch- we don't talk about this enough. Like when your body changes after you get your period, after you go through puberty as women, our minds, which is another part of our like, you know, interconnected system start overthinking, right? We start getting into our head about, well, why is this happening to my body? What am I eating? We start intellectualizing, like, why is this happening? How can I stop it? society expects X, Y, and Z of how I'm supposed to look. Like my body used to be the X, Y, and Z way. And now it's different. That's wrong. That's Mm -hmm. bad. And then that causes a disconnect between our body and our soul. And so when you reconnect to that soul part of you, like you were saying, like reconnecting through that book, through your intuition, through learning about more spirituality, you kind of end up healing the other two things. 
which is similar to what happened to me as well. Like, I feel like when I really started working on my spirituality and just realizing that I'm more than my body and I'm more than what I look like and just kind of all these ideas that we've been fed by society of what we're supposed to look like, that was when I truly healed my relationship to my body. That was truly when I healed my relationship to food and my mind. And I started realizing all these different things. So it's just like this disconnect. Totally. And something that's really interesting is I feel like there's this duality where part of healing is disconnecting, as you said, realizing that you and like your worth are not tied to your body. But also for a lot of women, there needs to be a reconnection because they're not listening to their hunger cues. They're not listening to their fullness cues. They're not honoring their physical body. And so both have to be there and both are important. And then when you have both, you kind of settle in the middle where you're like, yes, I care about my body. I care about taking care of my body, but I know that my worth isn't tied to my body. And it gives you so much more wiggle room and flexibility and like freedom to just like be who you are and exist in your body as a soul that's having a human experience. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So it does kind of tie back to also tuning into your body and what your body needs. Like when it's coming from a place of restriction is a lot about healing your relationship to your need for nourishment. For example, like for me, it was a lot about realizing like I'm worthy of eating. I'm worthy of eating a carb. I'm worthy of eating like a dessert if I want to. And it took me many, many years to really heal. But I think that was like the first step. And then with time, after learning more about nutrition, after learning a lot of different things and going through basically like every single aspect of difficulties with food from restriction to like slight binging to also like orthorexia, even that I finally came to this point where it's about allowing myself to just listen to what I need that day. Yeah. So for you, what does and I know every day is probably different, but like, how do you navigate on a day to day your intuition related to food and like making your food choices for the day? Yeah. So something that is important here is like intention plus intuition and love instead of autopilot, because like yes. I wake up hungry, but sometimes I have my breakfast before my morning routine. Cause I'm like, like this morning I woke up mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, Knowing my morning routine takes like 30 minutes, can I wait? Will it, or will like, would I be distracted and I should eat first? So yes. it's always curiosity, not like intense questioning, just curious, like, huh, I wonder how I'm feeling this morning. This morning I was hungry, like when I woke up and I was ready for food. So then the question becomes, okay, what do I want? And like typically I'm in the mood for something sweet for breakfast and I'm obsessed with my green smoothie that I make, but I don't assume that I'm going to want it every day. And even if I do want it, I don't have the same toppings. I don't even put the same stuff in it every day. So it's a series of small questions and some people get scared like, wait, if I have to question everything, that's going to take up even more brain space. That's going to be so difficult. But it's actually the easiest fucking thing to do because 
we like you work on the deeper stuff first around like self-worth and control. You believe that you're worthy of it. You know how to nourish your body and make decisions that are going to be like a yes for your body, a yes for your mind and for your soul. And then making those decisions becomes like second nature once you once you do the healing and like you do this sort of practice. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I would say like it's allowing the space to get curious instead of just rushing or assuming or going on autopilot. And when you get curious, you're able to make decisions easier of like it's a yes or it's like, oh, wait, I'm actually full. Even though I typically finish this amount of food today, I don't need to finish it because like I asked. Yeah. So I would say it's like – creating space to ask and get an answer, but also you need to solidify that connection to your body and like know how to communicate with it so that you even know what the what your body is saying. That's also why I hate the phrase, listen to your body, because that's so not helpful. Like there are plenty of people that listen, but they don't understand or they listen, they understand. The body says, I'm hungry and they say, well, fuck you. It's only 11 a.m. I can't eat till noon, so I'm not going to take action. So it's about listening, understanding, and then actually acting with love and intuition. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you mentioned the thing about the morning routine because I actually feel that a lot. Like my – I think a lot of people when they start on their health journey and wellness journey and even healing, a lot of people think, oh, I have to have this structure. I have to have every single day the same morning routine or every single day I have to do the exact same thing or I have to eat this exact way every day to X, Y, and Z. But for me, like while in the beginning, healing my confidence was really, it was really important to learn to keep promises to myself and learn to take care of my body and find these self self care habits that I wanted to implement into my life. It got to a point where I was too rigid. And I, and through therapy, I just realized that. And I kind of had to take a step back and accept that every day is going to be a little different. Like every day it might feel a little different also as women, We are on a 28 plus day cycle of hormones. So our our needs are different. And so some days I am the same way. Like I wake up and usually I like to meditate immediately after I wake up. But some days I'm like so hungry that I know that if I don't eat straight away, I'm going to be thinking about food while meditating or like what I'm going to make or whatever. So it's a lot more powerful to just follow that intuition, right? Follow that kind of nudge internally. It's like, "Hmm, look, I kind of want to eat now. Yeah. And then I'll do my meditation or then I'll do X, Y, and Z. Completely. And something that I think Rose actually told me this, who is one of my business coaches and Carolina worked with her also. We love Rose. (laughs) Is structure creates flow. So it's totally cool to have a structure that enables you to have flow. So maybe the structure is like, I'm going to eat breakfast within an hour of waking up to like nourish my hormones and my body and my metabolism. Okay, great. But like that means there are 60 different minutes in which you could eat. You have that structure, but you can flow within it. Or I'm going to do a morning routine. That's the structure. But what does that morning routine look like today? That's the flow. Exactly. Exactly. And it's so important to leave that room for like a little adjustments every day. Like maybe one day you're just feeling more tired and you need a little bit extra sleep. Like that's what your body needs more than waking up and like pushing through a workout and then being sleep deprived and physically stressed. Like it's 
a lot about tuning into those needs that are internally speaking to you through your intuition. So I think that's really important. And, and speaking of all of this, I think something that's important that you also teach is body image and like getting to a place of positive body image. Mm -hmm. And I released an episode on my podcast a while ago. I can't remember how many episodes ago, but it was basically about my thoughts on achieving a positive body image and healing body image. And I would love to hear your take on that. Yeah. I think that the first step before even being positive is being neutral. And then after neutrality is like acceptance. So I do have a body image course, the body love blueprint. And so the way that there's, there's three steps and this is my approach to it, which is like acceptance and then trust and then body love. And for me, like body positivity or body love, I typically use that phrase more. It's not about aesthetically being obsessed with every part of your body. Like, let's say, okay, my fingers are crooked. I don't know why, but my fingers are crooked. <laughs> and my my aunt always told me that and my mom also, that that means that my that I'm creative, okay? Like this is what they told me growing up because my fingers have always been crooked. Am I obsessed with the way that like my fingers look? <laughs> Not really, but do I appreciate my fingers? Yes. Am I grateful for my fingers? Yes. Do I honor how important they are? Yes. Okay. Well, gratitude and appreciation and like honoring my body, those are all flavors of love. So I still love my crooked fingers, even if I'm not aesthetically in love with like the way that they look. And that is my goal for like all of my clients is for them to like approach their body with the energy of love, which can for sure include looking in the mirror and being like, holy shit, I look so fucking good. Like, love that. That's amazing. But it's also, more importantly, a foundation of respect and appreciation and gratitude. And to get there, if you have judgment and shame and guilt and fear, before jumping from that to love, the middle, the the, the baseline is neutral. So could we say – my fingers just are fingers and like they are this shape. The shape isn't bad or good. It just is. It just exists and like, oh my God, what a relief. Or like cellulite. Somebody once decided long ago, probably a white man, that like cellulite was bad. Probably but, a white man. <laughs> but like before that, it probably wasn't bad. It just existed. Like that's just how – fat lays on top of muscle in a female body. It's just yeah. like the way that the cells are and it's different from men. That creates – And men also have cellulite. They do. But women are more like – More likely maybe. Likely like because of just like biology, just genetics. Yeah. And so like that's just what it is. It just creates this like rippling effect, this texture. And, like, that's what it neutrally is. But somebody decided that that was bad. Somebody imprinted that judgment there. Mm -hmm. So I think facts, like everything you said, I think the acceptance part is the most important. I think acceptance – I talked about this on Maya Fiorella's podcast, actually, XX Maya, it, with, in terms of, like, shadow work and healing 
acceptance is the first step. You have to get real and accept what is first before you can love it, before you can change anything you want to change or heal whatever you want to heal. Like you have to accept what is. You have to accept how your life, how your body, how everything in, in your reality is at this moment. I'll give a personal example. Like I am a Latina girl. I am curvier. Sometimes like the models and whatever on the media, like aren't necessarily the curviest women. Like there are certain, there's a specific type of body that is shown on ads and on the media and comparing my genetics <laughs> to someone else's genetics makes zero sense because yeah. we just have different biology. We have different genetics, different families, different things that have been inherited. And so a huge thing for me has just been to accept that part of myself. Like mm-hmm. I am like this and this is my body. I can nourish my body. I can do many things to do good things to my body. But even if I ate exactly the same as someone else, we probably and worked out the same and did everything the same, we would probably still look different. Yeah. And that is not the point. So I think that is super important that you mentioned. And then I also really liked what you were saying about like shifting from that more like negative emotion, like guilt or shame to ultimately love. Like you need to first accept it. You need to first be aware of like what is triggering shame in you? What is triggering guilt? Totally. And it likely has nothing to do with your body or food. It likely has to do with the ideas we've been fed as women about what we're expected to look like or totally like. And then taking that a step further, it's like, okay, well, why are we expected to look that way? It's to be worthy or to be good or to be lovable. And it it never had anything to do with abs or a thigh gap or having a butt. It's about that arbitrary Mm -hmm. thing equaling lovability or deserving or worthiness and that's typically closer to like the root of that guilt and shame 100 i think a lot of the times like for me too in my own journey i i ended up coming to the realization of that internal judgment that i had like and for me it came down a lot to labels so that can be anything like that can be labeling people as fat or skinny, but that can also be labeling foods as good and bad or healthy Mm -hmm. and unhealthy. Like because I was labeling foods as bad or good, if I ate a bad food, I was a bad person. Like Mm -hmm. I was associating my identity with that label because I consumed that thing. So when I realized that I just became so much more aware of in the present moment when was I using those words? Like when I, when was I saying that eating la 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 X, Y, and Z food was bad? So I think that was a big thing for me for sure. And then something else too, that over time I've realized through a few different books that I've read more spiritual books is that Mm. we chose this body for a reason. Mm. And also in like this existence, Mm-hmm. in this reality, in this family, in this world. And we also, at the end of the day, at the core of our being, we are a soul in a body. And the yes. only reason we're able to have a human experience and to eat food and to walk and to go in the sun and to literally achieve things is because of our body. 
Like, mm-hmm. if not, we would just be floating around, like, enmeshed with everything. So our body is what enables all these beautiful things in our life. And so coming to that place, again, as you were saying before, like, the gratitude, like, appreciation, mm-hmm. for me, really comes through that realization of the soul connection. I and love that. everything. Yeah, I totally love that. And that's kind of what I was saying before also with like being disconnected in a good way from like the worthiness, but also being really connected to the fact that our bodies are important. This is our vessel for this lifetime. It's the one that we get. And so having a loving relationship with it is pretty darn important and taking care of it in a realistic, a sustainable, holistic way is also important. I think there can be some black and white, either like you care so much or you're going to, quote, have food freedom and like not care at all. But this isn't about the black and white. It's about finding that middle ground that is sustainable, that both honors your body, but also detaches from it a bit. I also think something else a lot of girls struggle with, something that I struggled with along my path was my relationship to exercise and not just food and how like food ties exercise. Cause like, I think the language around exercise a lot of the times in marketing and media is like, let's burn the calories Mm -hmm. off or like, (sighs) let's shred or let's, whatever, burn fat. And then people start correlating like, oh, I gained weight. Like I need to go burn this weight off or I need to go like, I don't know, X, Y, and Z, like all these different words that are used around exercising. So how do you get to a place? And I I, like, I have my own opinions on on this, but I want to hear your opinion on how to get to a place where exercise is not equaled with like burning or burning away food. Totally. So exercise and because of what you said with, you know, all of the negative connotations, like I tend to just call it movement because that feels so much more loving. Um, It is so supportive for our holistic health to move our bodies. It's great for our physical body, not for the shape, but for the health of our muscles and bones and heart and lungs. Um, It's so supportive for mental health if you're doing it in in an aligned way. Also, in terms of the science, this typically really surprises people, but you burn the most calories throughout the day by just being a human. Like your basal metabolic rate, which is just like baseline what your body needs to survive. This is like a very average number, but like typically 70% of what you burn in a day is because of your basal metabolic rate. And then there's also the thermogenic effect of food, which is like the little bit of energy it takes to digest food and like do stuff with it. And then you also have NEAT, which is non-exercise activity. So me like moving my hands right now or walking to the bathroom. I'm not like going for a walk, but I'm walking. That's neat. That's a percentage of it. For people that are more like fidgety, that neat category in the calorie burning is bigger. And then the fourth is exercise. And so if we're thinking like on average, 70% of the calories that you burn just goes towards being alive 
being a human, but maybe you're thinking, oh, like, I can't eat dinner until I go to the gym. Like, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't align. And so that's a fact that typically helps my clients, like, start to dissociate. And really when you can move in a way that feels so loving for your body and it feels good, then that good feeling of like the energy and just feeling strong and confident will eventually outweigh that previous motivation of like exercising to look a certain way. Yeah. Wow. That's fascinating. I didn't even know about all those percentages and stuff, but I think something else that for me has been a part of that healing has just been realizing that like when I was associating exercising with burning fat or whatever, I wasn't really doing exercises that I loved. Like I wasn't fully enjoying it either. So when I started playing around during like specific periods of my life with different exercises, like when I first discovered solid core, when I first did like a Pilates reformer class, or when I started doing Matt Pilates during quarantine at home, like I started finding different workouts that I liked. And that also has fluctuated. Like there's been periods when like I like going for a run or there's periods when like I really enjoy long walks or just that changes. So finding those things, finding those types of movement that I enjoyed also helped me heal that. But deep down, I think, as you were saying, it also comes down to the fact that it is good for our body. Like there are scientific proof, there is scientific proof that it is good. Yeah. I think I've, I've read a lot about that. Like cardiovascular exercise has certain benefits and strength training has certain benefits and like all types of movement have different benefits. But at the end of the day, like it's not what's going to make or break our health. And it's going to be more detrimental mentally to us to associate it with like that goal of earning a meal. But when you do move your body and you're focusing on, wow, like I actually really like this kind of workout. Like you're actually going to look forward to it or you're going to be more likely to actually be happy because you're doing it. And those happy hormones are going to be activated because you're doing something you enjoy. So it also comes down to figuring out what type of movement is right for you. Totally. And what feels good and like what your body responds well to because movement typically is stress on the body. Like it does increase our cortisol, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but if you're stressed out, about your workout and you hate the workout that you're doing, then like that adds another layer of stress on top of the body. And at that point, it's no longer healthy. Exactly. Exactly. Um, Okay. So I'm going to get ready to close out the episode. So I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions to close everything out. So I think you already touched on this one, but what is your favorite breakfast? (laughs) So, okay. Probably smoothies or French toast. Yeah. And what's your favorite smoothie combo or what things you usually like putting on them? So I always do a smoothie bowl. Like I always have my drink or eat my smoothies rather with a spoon. And like Mm -hmm. that's the most important thing, just that it's like a bowl with toppings. So my typical like daily, not daily, but like if I'm going to make it my green (laughs) smoothie, I have the recipe on my Instagram. Um, And it's like pretty simple, but the toppings really make it. I love putting cacao nibs and bee pollen on my smoothies, like always will do that. Um, And I'll typically put some granola on it or I'll do like 
leftover pancakes or waffles or like banana bread crumbled on top of my smoothie and it does get a little bit soggy but it's so good and I feel like not enough people have tried it because it kind of sounds weird but it's so good okay I have to try doing that and so everyone go check out Sloan's Instagram for that green smoothie recipe yes I have to try your recipe and okay next question is if someone was not paying attention to this episode like at all and just or just got to listen to this very part what is a message you would want them to leave with I want people to know that dieting and obsessing, restricting and binging, it's not normal. Even though it's so normalized and so common, it's not normal. And having food freedom, eating with love and intuition is actually normal and meant for you no matter who you are, no matter what you're struggling with. Like It's meant for you. It's possible for you. You deserve it. And doing the healing is so so worth it yes amazing and then last question is do you have like a mantra that you live by or a quote that you love i feel like there's a lot um the universe has your back definitely one and i also love and this is also from gabby bernstein this quote that says i recognize that i've chosen fear and i choose again and i choose love And that's such an easy but really powerful shift to make whenever I find myself getting into lack or fear or scarcity, like recognize it and decide consciously to choose love instead because like choosing love, living by my intuition, super important. So being able to make that shift kind of like heightens the awareness. Yes. And I love you. With that being said, I love you. I love you you so much for coming on the podcast. It was amazing. And so share with everyone where they can find you, the resources that you have, your page, everything. Yes. This is you. Yeah. Oh, so fun. Um, Okay. So I mostly hang out on Instagram at Sloan Elizabeth, also playing around with TikTok, which is Sloan.Elizabeth. And then if you want to learn more about the Food Freedom Collective or one-on-one or any of the courses, then you can go ahead and book a complimentary consultation call so that we can have a chat and see what the best fit for you is. Um, So you can find that on my Instagram. And I also have some free masterclasses and workshops that are always available. So those links are there. And then we also have our manifestation journal, which is- Yes, I was about to plug that in. Uh, For those of you who don't know or like didn't see it on our Instagrams, we just launched a manifestation magnet journal that you can use in your morning routine to just start out your day with manifesting and setting intentions and- we worked so hard on it and it's freaking beautiful. So Amazing. it's, I'm going to link all of that, all those links in the description of this episode. And also we'll add a manifestation journal link on Amazon if you guys are interested in getting that. But yeah, thank you so much for being here, Sloan. This was so thank fun. You. Thank and you. And I'm very Carolina. grateful for you. Likewise. Thank you for having me. This was magical as always. Magical, magical. Thank you everyone for listening and I'll see you again soon for another episode. Bye for now. Bye. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.